HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Patina Events at Brooklyn Botanic Garden, an idyllic location for weddings, corporate events, and parties of any style. Visit us at patinaevents.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're exploring interactions from drug studies in a laboratory. If this effect is as big as he's saying, somebody should have discovered this long before he did. To global wisdom on avoiding hangovers. Beber cerveza antes de tomar vino no previene los síntomas. Beer before wine, you're going to be fine. Wine before beer, you're going to be queer. To the novel recipes developed by an Indian American family deep in the heart of Texas. And then my mom's sort of coming to America and learning that uh, white parents love to melt cheese on things to get their kids to eat it. She was like, this is genius. (laughs) Be sure to subscribe to Meat in 3. That's M-E-A-T plus sign T-H-R-E-E. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey guys, it's May 7th, 2019. Today's show is the State of New York State Beer. Um, I'm Jimmy Carboni, I'm the host here at Heritage Radio Network. We've got a great studio in the back, Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick. If you ever take the L train out to Morgan Stop, come on over every Tuesday, 5 o'clock, we are back here. Um, we got some great guests today. A big change has happened in the world of, of craft beer uh, since even, you know, Eight, nine years ago, New York State's been the leader in being innovative about changing laws and and promoting the development of the craft beer industry. I I can't believe how far we've come. And the guests that we have, we're going to talk about that story a little bit and kind of tell you where the state of New York is right now. Let's just go around the room. Everyone will introduce themselves. How's it going? Jason Saylor, Strong Rope Brewery. Jason, you've been uh, one of the leading New York City brewers who's really doing the New York State farm brewing thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, working on it. I mean, we, we use a 100% New York ingredients in all of our beers and uh, trying to push push that on our uh, small two-barrel uh, brewery down in uh, Gowanus. No, and it's, it's great to have you on. And, and the guy who's helped change everything. Yeah, not me. I'm Paul Leone, the executive director of the New York State Brewers Association. And so, Paul, we're going to talk about from when you first came on 
the changes that have happened in how many years has it been? Five years now? Uh, it's approaching six years in June. So uh, when I started, there were 135 breweries in New York State, and I think today we're at 447, maybe uh, 447. So it's hard to keep count. So we literally are opening a brewery one every week. That's great. And then. Uh, uh, Stephen Fleming, I work for Empire State Development. I run the one-stop shop for the craft beverage industry. So people trying to open a brewery, they give you a call? Uh, yep, trying to open a brewery. They have questions about licensing, permitting. Hey, can I do this? Can I not do this? Am I breaking the law? Uh, really uh, a whole host of questions for the entire craft beverage beer, uh, industry, wine, beer, spirits, and cider. So let's take a little step back. 2012, Governor Cuomo organized a, a craft beverage summit for craft beer cider spirits and wine and from that a lot of things happened laws changed um farm farm craft beverage laws were passed let's let's talk about that because that was kind of a seminal moment 2012 2014 so much has changed since then yeah, I think the interesting part is I came in in 2013, and just to give you a little background, the association, or this version of it, and I'm happy to go back to, to emphasize on that a little bit or elaborate on that a little bit, but this version of it started in 2003, and, and really the nine board of directors at that time was to change the laws in, in New York State. That's all they focused on before. Nobody worked for them. It was just, how do we change the beer laws? Uh, and then you get to 2012, and you get you know Andrew Cuomo, and you get you know a, a really... Uh, a, a very favorable, a lot of laws have been changed and a lot of favorable legislation. You get an industry that starts to grow, craft beverage, craft beer becomes a thing. Um, and, and here we are. And then Jason. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we actually, uh, cause we started doing our build, build, developing our business plan around 2011, 2012. Um, so we actually shifted, uh, as soon as we heard about the, the farm brewery stuff and, and the, the kind of, emphasis on what was going to happen um, to using New York State ingredients and kind of haven't looked back since. Um, so we've kind of developed, and when we officially opened in, in 2015, um, you know, we were using 100% New York hops and about 90% New York malts, and I've just been trying to kind of increase that ever since, and, and getting onto panels and talking to brewers and, and getting out there to try to promote that as much as possible to help uh, kind of engender and, and fuel the, the entire um, farm side and the, and the ingredient side to the rest of the, the craft breweries uh, that, that, you know, that are interested in, in kind of pursuing that, uh, that take on things. Yes, the, the uh, farm brewery license and the farm cidery license were created under Governor Cuomo, and they were modeled after the farm winery license, uh, which Governor Cuomo rightly saw uh, showed an increase and in, in really made an increase in, in, uh, in vineyards across the state. And he saw the connection between the value added to, to the grapes that are already being grown here and being grown well. And he asked the question, why can't this be done for, for beer? Why can't this be done for cider? And the, the answer is very easy. It, it can be. Uh, so trying to, um, trying to add value to these agricultural products and make it so uh, there's, there's a connection between the land, the farm, and and the local the local pub, the local establishment, and it's not just for farm brewers though, or for the the farm licensees. The, the governor's been very focused on making it easier for all craft beverage producers to, to be able to do business more easily in New York State. Great, and, and Paul, since you've joined 
Um, how has the association evolved? You know, you're doing festivals. You've seen yeah, good like, Lord. New York City yeah. have its own Brewers Guild. I, when I when I joined the association, I think there was like six hundred and eighty-seven dollars in the account or something, and uh, they they a bunch of brewers chipped in some money and, and said, "Here you go. You got to grow this. You know, put it in the ground, like you know, and like grow the money tree." So. Uh, you know, you do that by, by doing events, and it's a nonprofit. You know, that's what we are. And, and so, um, you know, it was just me in 2013, and now there's two full-time staff people and a part-time person, and, and the industry is, and we could probably hire more at this point. But um, we're, we're, we're number two in the country, I think, are pretty darn close in number of breweries. We're, we're number three in economic impact. I mean, we're, we're a player right now in, in New York State. So the change has been mind-blowing. Uh, I'm, I'm a little grayer. I have a little less hair. I'm, I'm a lot fatter. Um, you know, so, so things are good, Jimmy. Thanks for asking. I'm glad. <laughs> well, one, one reason I asked you to come on is that there was the recent Governor's Cup. And mm-hmm. um, tell me about that, because that's really grown a lot. I know some breweries like, I think, Strong Rope, KCBC, yeah. Prison City, Upstate, all, all won awards. We, we created a beer competition, and, and we made it, you know, the, the standard really is a Great American Beer Festival, right? I mean, that's what, you win a Great American Beer Festival medal, and you really feel like you're the best in whatever class that is. And so we created a beer festival, not just to give out medals, but we made it GABF hard. If, if, it, if, if you don't score the points, you don't get a medal. And so this year, we had seven no medals. And the Governor's Cup is the best in show. We've got, uh, you know, best brewery. And, and we did it for a couple of reasons. Um, the main reason was we really want to start shining a light on New York State beer. We're, we're not in the national conversation. When you talk about great beer states, right? Uh, everybody's like, oh, California, Colorado, um, you know, uh, Vermont, Washington. And I, you know, I'm biased, of course, but, you know, you too have been around this state. I, I would put our beer against any, any other state. Uh, in the country. We just don't have the, the marketing. We don't have the... And so the competition was one of those things where it's like, okay, let's make it really hard. If you win a medal, let's have a governor's cup to it. If you win a medal, it's great marketing in a lot of ways. And, and it gets a lot of press. And, and it's sort of the idea, the underlying idea of it is to, like, hey, look at us. Like, look at these award-winning breweries in New York State. Well, I'll tell you what, what's cool, what, what we've all been part of, whether you're a home brewer like Jason was, oh, yeah. going back when we started the show 10 years ago, I remember it was something like really hard to find, like a, a Russian River from California was what people talked about. And then it was Vermont breweries. And, and now the last few years, outside of New York, people are trying to get other half threes, you know, in, in terms of like what's in demand mm-hmm. and, and what people really talk about. So you're right about that. Jason, for you as a brewer, a New York City brewer, um, how do you interact with, with the Brewers Association? Uh, well, I mean, one big thing is I'm actually uh, uh, the board member uh, for the New York City region uh, out of, what, the 11 regions? There are nine regions, nine yeah. Regions. So nine, nine, nine regions two. and two at-large seats. There are yeah. 11 okay. board members. Okay. Yeah. See, I knew something. Yeah, you knew that. Knew You're new. You're yeah. the new kid I'm on the, the block. You block. just got elected. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm representing the, the, the city uh, on the association. Um, and I, you know, I, I try to take uh, part in the festivals, uh, that we put on and I've been to almost all of them since we've joined, uh, and been like opened up the brewery. And so, you know, we just, because for me, I think it's very important for the breweries to, uh, be part of the association to, uh, you know, kind of, uh, the more that we can work together, and I, you know, I tell this to both the hop farmers and the malt houses as well. But the more that you're, you can work together in your uh, industry, uh, the better you have a voice in wherever it is. If it's Albany, if you're uh, putting out, uh, you know, wherever, like you, 
you have a better voice and you can you can you can work together and you can create a, a better industry overall. Uh, so it's you know it's it's important for you know people to be a part of it, and we try to you know at Strong Rope try to take part as much as possible. Um, so yeah, like yeah, I just I think it's it's you know good to get good to get out there and uh, you know uh, be a part and act and act uh, as a part of your association. So a, a big part of what changed in New York was that small breweries could open tap rooms. Um, who wants to talk about that? I mean, yeah, it's it's been a huge thing for the craft act. What was that twenty twenty fourteen? Yeah, the craft act. Yeah, the craft act is what made it so you could so you could serve by the glass. So think about that statement, right? I mean, what could you do before that? Not serve by the glass in the tap room. Right. That really wasn't that long ago. Yeah, you could do you could do little tastings. People would get around that by doing, <laughs> oh, uh, you know, buy this bag of chips and we'll give you a a, a glass no, of beer. Along my, with my favorite one was you could buy the glass. Oh and yeah, we would <laughs> fill it. Yeah, so some it, places yeah. you could actually right. buy a token as well. <laughs> right. <laughs> and but yeah, no, this this allowed people to be able to not only manufacture the product, be able to sell it by the glass out of out of their tasting room, connected right to their brewery. And that's where that's where they're getting the most of their their return, and it's great because the the places that they're setting up shop where they're setting up their breweries are, well, fr- frankly, they're all over the state. They're in every part of the state, but they're in these old, beautiful uh, industrial buildings in the Hudson Valley. They're in in uh, in these spots along the the Finger Lakes that have these beautiful vistas. And here in New York City, again, with all these old industrial buildings. People want to come hang out at these places. They're cool places. They are revitalizing the the neighborhoods that they're in because it's a place to come and hang out, place to walk around, and it, it increases the foot traffic in every single neighborhood that these breweries are going into. And I love that is what you like your brewery, where your brewery is. Like yeah. it just feels it's like in a neighbor, like it's an apartment right next yeah. door. Like yeah. it's, it feels it's in a neighborhood and. It enhances the neighborhood, like having your brewery there. It demystifies the uh, you know the whole idea that that brewing is this uh, industrial process mm. that that you have to like see from afar and there's giant vats and things like you come to our space you know we're a two barrel brewery uh, people can walk back there and, and see it we do tours and it's it's very much like oh it's almost like a kitchen type of thing and you know we create this third space and so and we wouldn't be where we are we couldn't have stayed the size that we are for the three years if we didn't weren't able to sell pints directly to consumers because that you know otherwise we would have had to grow every all breweries were growing uh, or started out really large uh so that they could get those economies of scale you know and having the be able to sell pints directly to consumers allowed us to bring back the the idea that breweries could be neighborhood little joints I think the old days, the threshold was, I think Brooklyn Brewery said this years ago, that before you had tap rooms, you had to produce at least 10,000 barrels of beer to actually make your, pay your bills mm. as, a, as a distribution model. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it's pretty, I mean, cheers to that, because these little things add up, I've been reading about, the next show, we're doing a show at six as well with uh, Jeff Allworth about the Widmere Way, and hearing about Oregon's craft beer scene starting from the 80s, a big thing that they changed was there was a two-tier system where a brewery could 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 distribute um, as as well as, but they couldn't do retail at the same time. Hmm. Um, you know, there was, there's a three-tier system, which is which is what, Stephanie? Can you tell us what the three-tier system yeah, is? Yeah, the three-tier system is um, your brewer, your distributor, and uh, and your uh, your retailer. And basically, you know, they, they, they all kind of worked hand in hand. That's another thing that the governor changed. A, a brewer is allowed to 
to be a self distributor to make their to make their product to all, sell it out of their tap room, but also to self distribute to to local bars and restaurants if they so choose. Again, as Jason said, um, these economies of scale it's it's giving people a chance to start out smaller and to kind of do things a little bit more their way and build up at their own pace and hopefully eventually Jason will be you know one of the largest breweries in in the city and and you know creating hundreds of thousands of barrels of beer every year it's in his business yeah, plan that's, that's totally <laughs> my yeah, plan yeah. page 3 i i uh, i'm i'm fortunate enough from my perspective where i get together a handful times a year with my counterparts the other executive directors and we're all believe it or not i'm a veteran at 6 years like i'm the old guy <laughs> in the group now there's a lot of one year two year uh, eds and and i sit and I listen to them lament about all of the crappy laws in their states. And I think about how good we have it here. Yeah. And, and I think that we really are one of the most liberal states in terms of, of laws and making it easy for craft beverage. And without question, we are. So let's talk about what, what are, you don't necessarily have to mention the states, mm -hmm. but what are some laws in other Alabama. states? Sorry, what? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a couple of the laws in other states that... that Holding I, people back. You know, I think um, I think Alabama just got last year the ability to sell out of their tap room. Like, that was a thing. Self-distribution down south in a lot of states still doesn't happen. It's not happening. The wholesalers are, are, are afraid that self-distribution is going to disrupt their business. Um, right now, the tap room is under attack everywhere. Um, Texas right now, believe it or not, in Texas... Um, you can't, breweries can't sell beer to go. It's a thing. But distilleries can, cideries can, and wineries can. Uh, breweries cannot. The wholesalers are fighting them. So there's, there's laws like that where they're backroom deals because money talks, you know, and, and there's a lot of that still going on. In Texas, you know, even in Michigan, um, franchise, you know, here you can get five branch offices. Uh, breweries can. So Jason can uh, have his brewery, but he can open up a tap room up in Rochester, you know, his home or whatever if he wanted to. If he wanted to do that, he could. He could do five of them. Um, in uh, Michigan, they just passed a law in, in the association compromise with this. You actually have to have a brewery in every location. Here, it can just be a tasting room. So, I mean, you can mm. just do a lot of things here that, that you can't do in other states. Yeah. Jason, anything that you've seen? Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, it's, it's, you're starting to see people, because it's been around for a little while. Everyone was just getting their, their uh, things off the ground, um, just their, their original breweries. But you can see this more and more. People are starting to kind of creep up and play around with an extra location and do a, a tap room uh, other places. And, you know, it's stuff that we're thinking about as well. Um, but it's, it's, you know, now that you've had a couple years under the belt, we can start thinking about other, other ways to progress and... Um, that's that's one way rather than necessarily. So let's clarify. So it's a New York State Farm Brewery license. Yep. You can have yes. up to five, five satellite. Range. Yeah, correct. Yes. And so other half is is a great example of that. They just opened a, a, a huge facility up uh, just south of Rochester, upstate. You know, and and because it's so much more affordable for them upstate, they can you know buy it, put it in a big brewery, and they can um, they could probably make beer up there uh, easier and bring and ship it down here. You know, cheaper than having it here, and they're going to keep both locations, but it works for them. And there's a lot of other breweries uh, that are doing single cut has a huge facility upstate uh, from from Queens, and so it really helps breweries. You get to a point with some breweries, and, and they can only make so much money out of their tap room. So what do you do? Distribution isn't always the answer anymore because there's no more shelf space, there's no more tap handles. You know, distribution model is uh, as our our Fred Matt says all the time: Would you rather make five dollars a pint or five dollars a case? Right, so distribution is a tough model right now. So, so how do you expand? And you probably like, I'm sure you look at it, Jason. Like, what do you do? So, a branch office might be, you know, an office. I'm, I can open a, 
a, a brewery somewhere else in a populated so, so area. So literally, I, I, if I was a New York farm brewer like Jason, I know Big Alice has done this or Rockaway. Yep. So what can you do, Jason? You can literally, you have your brewery in, in your neighborhood. I mean, I, you can yeah. open another neighborhood just a room and set up a yeah, tap? I can I can kind of, you, you can do just to, I could open up a small 400 square foot uh, tap room on Court Street in uh, Carroll Gardens or Cobble Hill or something like that and, you know, just serve our beer there. Or I can also serve uh, other New York State wine, spirits, and ciders. Farm. Um, yep. Farm, uh, which is part of uh, the, the license benefit. Um, but yeah, I, I could open up across the state. I could open up five additional locations that are just tap rooms, or I could also put in uh, other systems as well, so I can brew in other places. I mean, it gives you a lot of flexibility and a lot of ways to uh, create a, a unique and, and kind of a, a dynamic uh, business plan uh, to, to you know get your beer out there, rather than saying, okay, I'm just going to grow to a, a you know. Ten thousand barrels of beer and try to get that all out. Like, you Stefan, is, is this? These are issues that you have to deal with all uh, the time. So, so let me ask you a question. This is my question. Going, I have five years of questions on this. So the first part is: Let's say I have a New York State farm brewery license. I have a brewery in New York State, mm-hmm. and my friend has a farm property on on a busy road in in a county outside of New York City. Can I get a, a satellite license and put up a tent? And a jockey box and a porta potty. Is that is that is that is my license that easy just to set up like that? <laughs> Not quite that easy. No, uh, there are still the requirements. I mean, it's still called the liquor authority. They are still the ones that are regulating this industry, and they still have to. to uh, they still have laws, ABC law to follow. Um, I mean, if you wanted to do that, you'd have to have a building that you would have to do that on. But it wouldn't have to be on a farm, by the way, though. A farm brewery does not have to be on a farm. There can be a farm brewery in Midtown Manhattan if, if, they, if they so choose. Uh, farm winery is the only one that's required to actually be on a farm in an agriculture district. But yeah, there are still, uh, there's still certain regulations you have to follow, of course. I mean, you're still manufacturing and selling al- alcohol to the public. So everyone needs to make sure they're following all the rules at all times. But it's, it's become a lot easier than it was uh, just a few short years ago. Such a buzzkill. <laughs> <laughs> and then go, going bigger. So right. since also since you've been on the scene, Paul, mm-hmm. uh, the state really has gotten behind a lot of brewery expansions. You want to tell us about Empire in in, uh, in Syracuse? Didn't they open a new brewery in uh, Casanova? They did. I mean, they they they're, they're a classic example of you know the Empire's been around for a while, but uh, and David Katleski was actually one of the co-founders of this association who owns Empire. Um, you know, really kind of led the way of, of branch offices and the farm license and, and uh, is still on our board to, today. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of breweries like that that are, that are expanding and, and the state government makes it easy to happen. That's the great thing about New York. And, um, you know, everybody complains about New York and, and taxes and things. And one of the things we were able to pass is, is there's, a, you know, there's a state excise tax of 14 cents a gallon. Uh, for, for, for brewers, uh, and that's fully rebatable for every brewer. So basically, they pay no state excise taxes. So these are some of the very favorable things that help the brewing industry in the state grow. Because one of the great things about brewers, and this is what we really hammer in Washington, D.C. and in Albany, is you, know, like you put more money in their pocket, you know, you know what they don't do? They don't buy cars. They don't go on vacations. They don't buy bigger houses. They buy new tanks. They hire people. Um, I mean, and that's just what they do. And so they're putting back in the industry, and they're growing. And it's it's the great thing about the business. Great. Hey, um, Jason, before we take a break, what yeah. beer are we drinking? 
Uh, so what you had in front of you was Young Lion of the West, which is our uh, cream ale. Um, it, uh, we actually just won gold for it at Tap New York. Uh, Congratulations. This past, yes. Last weekend? Yeah. Something? Sometime. It's a blur. Yeah. It's all a blur. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that is a, a nod to my hometown, Rochester, New York, and the uh, Genesee Cream Ale. Um, so that was, our, that was one of our first beers that we ever made. Great. Thank you. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a minute on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Patina Restaurant Group offers unparalleled service in New York's most iconic locations, including Lincoln Center, Rockefeller Center, and Macy's Herald Square. Patina is also the exclusive caterer at Brooklyn Botanic Garden. From meetings and presentations in the glass-walled atrium, to galas in the renovated Palm House, and intimate wedding showers at Yellow Magnolia Cafe, your event will be perfectly imagined and customized at Brooklyn Botanic Garden. You can also enjoy a la carte brunch and lunch at the picturesque Yellow Magnolia Cafe overlooking Lilypool Terrace. Executive chef Morgan Jarrett's unique menu offers warm, distinctive cuisine with a focus on local vegetables, grains, and sustainably sourced meats and fish. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're talking the state of New York State craft beer. Um, you know, we're talking about different things, laws, how the, the industry has evolved and everything with uh, Jason from Strong Road Brewery, Paul Leone from the New York State Brewers Association, and Stephen Fleming from uh, Empire State Development. Um, I was fantasizing about, you know, just taking one of these brewery, farm brewery licenses and opening up a tent <laughs> Tent side uh, brewery satellite office on a highway somewhere, so you can't. You, it's not that loose. It's not quite that easy. No, I. I uh, it's it's uh, one of those misconceptions sometimes that things become easier, but there's again there's still rules you gotta follow. So, you know, it's again hate to be a buzzkill, but yeah, there there are <laughs> there are there are rules. There are, there there is still um, again there's still the liquor authority. They. They are charged with by state, New York State the, government the, to oversee these things. But the licensing for a, a branch office is not a difficult license, no, uh, or a difficult application to fill out and, and, and you know apply for. It, exactly, so. and it's I mean it's something that uh, I, I have to credit uh, um, Governor Cuomo. I have to credit uh, the former chairman of the Liquor Authority, uh, Dennis Rosen, and the current uh, chairman uh, Vince Bradley. They have worked so hard to work collaboratively collaboratively with me uh, at Empire State Development, with Paul, with all of the in industry association heads to work with the industries to make it easier to get applications and permits processed faster to to make it easier. I mean, you know, it it's uh, it, it's it's pretty amazing the sea change that's hap that has happened over there. So and this was basically what you guys have been through was the first real overhaul of New York State liquor laws since Prohibition ended, pretty much, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, without question. I mean, I think that the the first version or the 2003 version of the New York State Brewers Association that was their sole focus was how do we change the laws and fix things here in New York State and really really give a lot of credit to the wine industry. You know, I mean, they they laid the groundwork for a lot of uh, we we've just copied what they did and, and applied it to beer and and so uh, you know we owe a lot to the wine industry as well in New York State. 
That's great. And, and, and where, where can you see it going? I mean, New York is almost like the shining light now where we've, we've gone and changed th- these rules from after Prohibition. Um, tell me more about other states. Like, what what's other state directors are asking you, Paul, the, the, the interest that people have in, in seeing what, what we did in New York? Well, we'll never be number one because California has a thousand breweries, right? So, <laughs> so I don't think we'll ever get there. But one uh, day it'll be split up into two states, right? You know, cheering, we're number two. If we're, if we're number two in economic impact and number of breweries, that's pretty darn good because we'll never be number one, and I think that's okay with that. I think the... I think my guesstimate, and who knows, I think, you know, we could reach 500 breweries in New York State at some point and be okay Um, uh, because of the vast number of breweries that are opening right now are are Jason's size. You know, they're just the size where they service their tap room and and their little neighborhoods that they're in. uh, That's sustainable. And and there's a lot of, uh, of, New York's a big state. It's a really big state. And so there's a lot of room for growth. I think as an association, uh, and, and this is what I lose sleep about a lot, and this is why we have a board of directors, and, and we talk about these things that Jason is on, um, is, you know, how do we make sure we maintain this, and there's not mass brewery closings, and how do we take care of things, and and we don't know yet. This is unprecedented, Jimmy. I mean, we were talking about it, uh, Stefan and I were talking about it from a historical perspective. Uh, I, no, keep going. No, no, yeah. from a historical perspective, we've never seen this, right? I mean, and in the, the most breweries in New York State ever um, was in 1876, and that was 383 breweries. Um, we're at 447 now, so this state has never seen that. And back then, it was a population of 5 million. We have a population of 20 million now. So we can continue to grow. The, the, for the association is how do, we, how do we maintain that in a sense where we make sure breweries make smart decisions, uh, make good beer, you know, because pretty soon, if they make crappy beer, they're not going to stay open. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball, and I don't know how you feel about it as a board member. I mean, I think for for me, I think one of the biggest things right now is that you know we have you know with with over four hundred breweries in the state, that's that's a huge amount, and we can go up to five hundred. Maybe we can go up to six hundred. I don't know. Um, I but what I'm more interested at this point is is gaining the the market share of consumers uh, back to yep. back to drinking craft beer. Some states, and I don't know, maybe Paul is better with these numbers, but like Vermont and Oregon. For, for Vermont has, so forty. So they have a 40%. So for 40% um, rating where Vermonters are supporting their beer. 40% of the population is drinking Vermont beer. In New York State, it's around 7%. And or, just, Oregon's New York, also New York really, State beer, not Vermont beer. Oregon's really good at drinking <laughs> their own beer. Yeah. Right. And, and Correct. Yeah. They're loyal mm-hmm. to their, their beer. And unfortunately, I mean, we have so much amazing things going on mm-hmm. in New York not just beer all across not even just the the beverage sector mm-hmm. just the farm like just everything and then there's there's so much going on and and yet it doesn't seem that the 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 drinkers have that much pride in what what is going on uh here and you know I don't know if that's a, a, a I don't know why that is and I mean I have some guesses but it you know if it, it yeah, I was going to say it's it's uh, it's going to sound worse than I am, but I think New Yorkers are spoiled <laughs> uh, in the sense that we can get whatever we want here in New York State, right? There's just like such variety of everything, um, and our and from an association standpoint, um, I think we, we want to focus them a little bit more. We always say, drink what you want to drink. It's fine, drink what you like, but think local first. These are small family businesses, and there's a lot of great beer, and I think that's kind of our messaging with our Think New York, Drink New York, uh, our New York Craft Beer app. Things that we're doing, like to help find breweries in New York State, like make it easier and really market New York State beer. 
And that will help with the, with the amount of breweries that we have, like all of our breweries, like us being small and, you know, like you said, uh, uh, hitting our, our just our local neighborhood. All the breweries in the Finger Lakes, in the central region, Hudson Valley, the Adirondacks, uh, up into the, the, you know, the western New York area. Like there are, everyone is starting to see it and it's much more available and people are becoming. So it's, you know, if we can kind of keep uh, uh, pushing that narrative and, and start getting people into uh, more uh, craft beer, New York craft beer, uh, that would be... You know, Paul, I think this, the Governor's Cup is... Mm-hmm. I think it's the reason I actually come on the show is that the fact that you have a, a rigorous... I mean, do you feel like the Governor's Cup was a pretty rigorous uh, competition this year, Jason? Yeah, I didn't win one. I didn't win anything. <laughs> you won last year, though. I won last year. Yeah, 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 I, did. yeah. I, did. Right. I did. Right. But that just but, goes to yeah. show how tough it is. No, like, it's, you make yeah, good it's beer. Great. You are. You have. I think ultimately you have to set standards because okay, there's a lot of breweries, <laughs> and I think that now everyone knows about making a good technical beer, a clean beer. Um, let, let's talk about that. Like, really, how 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 can we showcase? I mean, I, I told you already. Not too long ago, people only talked about wanting a Russian River in New York, right. and then it was everything in Vermont was great. But now, really, not just in New York City, but in the region, people are dying for you know collectible beers that are made in New York. So I, I just have one comment to say about that. I think that, you know, I, I, I can't play favorites in my chair, but when I look at the New York State beer scene as a whole and I look at what's happening in New York City, um, and it's not just because I'm here and Jason's here and all of that, but I think that I think what's happening in New York City is, is really some of the best beer um, in the state being brewed here. And I think that, um, I mean, there's a lot of great regions. Hudson Valley's doing great, Western New York. Uh, there's really great regions, but I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is from my chair, but I feel like if a brewery opens up in Brooklyn, especially, this is where the vast majority of breweries are, Brooklyn, Queens. Um, uh, and so you got to make sure if you open, you're going to succeed, you better brew really good friggin' beer. Because yep. if you don't, you're not, because the standard is so high here. Everybody's making such great beer. You cannot get away with opening a brewery that makes uh, average beer because people won't go. And I think that is like like at the Ashevilles. You go to Asheville, every brewery in Asheville is amazing. Mm. Uh, you go to Brooklyn and Queens, every every brewery is amazing. Like everybody's doing. And if they're not amazing, they're being driven by the breweries that are making amazing beer. Like they get it. Yeah. No. I mean, I I, I totally agree. And you know, they, the thing about the, the the city is that you know there were a number of uh, breweries when it was much smaller, and and you had a, a, a contingency of. Of both uh, brewers in the in the commercial scene, but also home brewers that all kind of came up together at the same time, and we we pushed each other in, in each of those individual levels, and we all grew out of that. Um, so there was a, a you know a large period of time or a small period of time where uh, a lot of really good brewers all kind of came up at once. You know, Finback, KCBC, us, uh, other half, and a handful of people out of the the, the Kelso brewery. Right. Like yeah. just a lot of brewers and just a lot of talent. And you know, and, and then that kind of dispersed, and it kind of dispersed these seeds and stuff. So it's just like it keeps growing, and just good stuff. All no, it, it's amazing. And let's jump back to Stefan. So Stefan, kind of the official more state. So you work for is Empire State Development. Is that <laughs> a New York State agency, or is it like a separate agency? Empire State Development is the economic development uh, arm of the governor's office of New York State government. And so my position was created actually by uh, by Governor Cuomo for my predecessor, Sam Filler, who is now the executive director for the New York Wine and Grape Foundation. And it was created because there was a lot of questions when people were trying to get started, when they were trying to get licensed. They would call up um, you know, the, the State Liquor Authority or the Department of Environmental Conservation or any of the agencies that they needed to work with to get licensed, and they would ask uh, the same question five times 
talk to five different people and get five different answers. And that's no way to do business. So uh, to try and streamline the whole process, the governor created the one-stop shop. And uh, for people that are looking for, they're looking for answers to their questions, they're sometimes just looking to talk to somebody. Uh, having, having somebody to be able to call them and a- ask them a question, that's, that's what my role is. What, what are some it, typical it, questions that you get? Uh, <laughs> it can be weird. But <laughs> um, lately, it's uh, around brand label registration, but I got to be honest with you, I get a call. I've been in the job for next month will be three years I've been in this job. I get a call once every now and again, twice a week from somebody saying, I want to start a brewery. And as we've gotten closer to the 400 number, as we've eclipsed the 400 number, as we're getting very close to the 450 number, I keep on thinking to myself, well, you know, these calls are going to taper off at some point. Mm. It, they don't. They haven't. I'm, I'm still getting calls to this day. Even today, I got a call. Hey, I'm looking to start a brewery. What do I need to do to go through the process? And, and I, I just want to empathy. I'm calling him a buzzkill, and I'm giving him a hard time. But <laughs> but this, this just goes to show the foresight of, of what's going on in New York State. He makes my life so much easier. There's nobody like him that exists in any other state. Uh, all of my counterparts have to figure it out for themselves. They have to be the conduit. There's not always a, a friendly state liquor authority. And the fact that I have Stefan to turn to and say, look, at, I, dude, I, I don't have the answer to this question. Can you get it? And he gets it as quickly as he can. Like that, that can't be understated. Like what he does is so valuable to, to me and to every, like to the cider and to, to the, you know, distilled spirits and, and wine industry that seriously, you're a buzzkill, but you're really helpful. So thank <laughs> well, you. Well, then no, you're good. Thank, thank you. <laughs> thank Cheers you, to you. But let's go back um, to, okay, there's things that you can be helpful with, but I'm, I'm thinking about you, the states come so far, but still in certain counties and local ordinances, there's guys opening a brewery that, that, are, that are getting hiccups. Yeah. How do you interact with that? Are you guys trying to educate county health departments? I hear about septic systems a lot. Yeah. Um, so getting a gas line installed, things that are very local. Yeah. The, the, the local ordinances are really, really hard for us to for us to assist with, for us to have any real um, impact on because. The way our system of government is set up, you have local control, and a local town, a local city, or village can say, we want this, we don't want this. And the the craft beverage manufacturers need to, they need to work within those confines. The state is, will be very hesitant in most cases to, in almost all cases, to reach out to a town or village and say, you can't do this, you can't do that. Uh, it's 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 unfortunate. There are some areas in the state that just, you know what, they just don't want this, or it's an entrenched uh, kind of old uh, old political system sometimes in, in these different towns, and there's nothing we can really do about that, unfortunately. But there's a lot of towns and there's a lot of cities that are happy to have these people come yeah. manufacture alcohol in their, in their, in their uh, locale. And before I heard you mention, uh, talk about... Expanding breweries that are in like industrial buildings. Mm-hmm. Are you guys going to go up to Equilibrium on your on your way back up state? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that's. One yeah, of the do, do you want to talk stuff. about that brewery or any other breweries like that 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 are? Yeah, so I, I actually haven't been to Equilibrium yet, uh, so I, I can't quite comment too much. But um, yeah, I, I one of my favorite things about uh, the craft beverage revolution is that. New York State is such an old state with such an old industry. We've gone through 
really, really good times and really, really tough times. And there's a lot of old infrastructure in this state and there's a lot of old buildings that are, are, are brick and they have these large wooden beams and they have these really, really tall ceilings and loading docks. And oh my God, that's perfect to put a brewery <laughs> or a distillery great. in. Yeah, it, it sounds perfect to put one of these places in. And again, I mean, I go to a place like uh, Newberg Brewing Company, you know, up there in this old building that's clearly over, well over 100 years old. Right on the Hudson. Right on the Hudson. I mean, you know that that building has so much history to it. And you go out there and you hang out, and on a, a random Tuesday night, there's 100 people sitting in their, in their tasting room doing trivia night. And then they're, they're walking around to some of the shops, and now suddenly that neighborhood is starting to become a more walkable place and the the city takes notice and they start investing in in uh in that neighborhood and it really starts to build upon itself in a lot of different ways and you're finding examples of this all over the state jason um if you were going to open a satellite brewery somewhere a, sat- a brewery office yeah. you know are, are there places you've considered or any any rochester no. <laughs> any um you know roadblocks that 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 you've Talk about that might come up. Yeah, I mean, we're we're we're. Um, or is it just is it just money and finding a space, or are there other things you have to consider? Yeah, uh, you know, we're 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 actively looking. I don't want to say where just at the moment, um, but yeah, I mean, where <laughs> outside of the city? I'll, okay. so I'll say right, that. There you go. Um, we, you know, we 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 have ideas, uh, and and. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I was going to say, it's like opening up in the city was very different than up trying to, you know, even open up just a small tap room in other places. And, you know, because you have to consider the the locale of, of, of where you are, especially like if you're in something like the Finger Lakes or the somewhere where you're in like closer to watersheds that are a little bit more uh, uh, protected uh, parks and stuff. Like I don't have to deal with that in, you know, in Gowanus because uh, the Gowanus Canal is not, not a protected uh, water site. Right? <laughs> so it's, it's like you, you have to, you have to think about. It's uh, becoming uh, called the Brooklyn Riviera. The oh, it's, it's yeah. lovely at night. You should go and just <laughs> hang out there. I mean, it's, it's, but it, there's a lot happening down there and there's a lot going on and they have the whole cleanup going on at the moment. You know, or I'm just talking about Gowanus now at this point, but, um, but yeah, there, if you're if you're going out, you just have to you have to really understand kind of the area and what you're trying to what you're trying to accomplish there. You know, does it make sense to you know? Are, are you what's the size of your tap room? Like, just know where you're going and know what you're trying to do and know you know really understand the the market for it. Like, is it is it you know if you're someplace that's transient, will they be more interested in in doing uh, beer to go or do they want to sit and have pints? You know, just understand. And just like you're opening up in a regular uh, brewery, you're going to be opening. You're just think about opening up a bar. You're opening up a bar. Yes, it's your beer, and yes, you're selling it directly to consumers. But you're opening up a bar. Does that bar need to be in that space? What do you need to make that bar successful? Uh, what are you What are you trying to do uh, with that with that branch office? So, like, you know, just you you've got to understand all the, all the kind of minutia of of actually opening up another business. So. That's great. And back, Paul, um, mm-hmm. you're here in New York for a, a meeting with with some of the, the New York brewers. City brewers. Yeah. Tell tell us about that meeting and, and how you interact with them. 
You know, I have, I have a, the coolest job in the world, uh, but it's not visiting breweries all over the state, unfortunately. Uh, it's mostly an office job. So what we do is these regional meetings where we try to get all the brewers to come to us because um, it's, it's easier that way. So we have a meeting with all the New York City brewers, and we come and we kind of update them on the industry. I tell them what's going on with the association, um, what we're doing, all the things that's happening. And Stefan talks about the, the other, you know, the industry, the uh, government side of things and things that they should be doing if they're not doing. And uh, it's just a way for us to keep um, in touch so with the industry. Give me a brief. So what the few things you're going to tell the brewers tomorrow, and then Jason's going to tell me a couple of the brewers that are going to be there. <laughs> so tomorrow I'm going to talk about uh, some, some issues that are facing the industry right now. And, and I, I thank Paul and the Brewers Association for not only being such great partners, but for inviting me to come to all these regional meetings. I can't always make them, but I, I try to make as many as I can because there's almost there's really no better way than getting out there and just talking directly to people and saying, hey, here's what's going on. Here's what's facing you. You know, some of the issues, like I said earlier, are, are brand label registration. You got to have every every brand that you that you make registered with the New York State Liquor Authority. Um, there's things like the the five cent deposit on the cans, so you can so you can return the cans for the five cents. Um, one of the new things in New York State is every business has to do sexual harassment training. You know, th- there's a host of issues that are are um, are important and are required for every business and ones that are required for every business that manufactures alcohol in New York state and being able to get out there and make sure that everyone's on the same page um, is, is it's, it's really very helpful to me. And a quick, since you mentioned it, the five cents on a can and bottle, where does that money go? I know when I, when I get an order from a distributor, I was paying five cents a bottle. Um, where does that money go? Does someone keep track of it? Yeah, oh yeah, every every person that is a what's called a deposit initiator. Man, Jimmy, you're really getting into the weeds here. Um, every person that's a deposit initiator needs to collect that five cents and put that money into a dedicated account, and then they need to file a quarterly report with the Department of Tax and Finance. And uh, if there's any money, any money or any cans that get returned, the money needs to be paid out of that account to the people that return those those cans. And any money that's left over, uh, a certain amount of it gets remitted back to the Department of Tax and Finance, and the brewer gets to keep the other portion of that of that money that's left over in the account. I always wondered about that. There's a good cottage industry of uh, people going through the garbage in New York City, picking up the five cent bottles and bringing them to the grocery well, store. Well, so that's just the thing. It's, it's that's about the getting, byproduct. Yeah, it's about getting more people to recycle the cans and to not just throw them in the trash. So it's there is. A meth behind the madness, but no, that is amazing. I've I've always wondered that. And Jason, uh, which brewers are going to be with you tomorrow, getting this presentation? Yeah, we we got a, a good uh, majority or a good portion of the the brewers in the city coming through. Uh, I mean, you know, um, <laughs> KCBC is going to be there. Uh, I think we have representatives from Finback Threes, Bridge and Rockaway, Tunnel. yeah, Bridge and Tunnel, um, yeah, uh, you know, a bunch. I mean, it's it's we're. They're very, you know, they're active and they, they want to be part of it too. So it's 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 good to see them get out there. And last question for Paul. Paul. So you I have, have a question New- for you. So go, don't let me slip away. You'll get it. All right. New York State Brewers Association. Yeah. You have that, but then there's also the New York City Brewers Guild. Correct. How do you interact with with that? Yeah, we we. That's they a, separate, it's a really a great group? question. Yeah, it's a really great question. Um, so so basically, the City Guild. Um, you know, we're a big state association. New York City is a big city. They need their own guild to kind of maintain their own things. There's a Long Island guild. Um, and, and we're perfectly good with that. We just have really great relationships, and we're really tight. We work together. Great. 
Well, we're going to wrap it up soon, Paul. Did you have a question? I did. You know, you're a bit of an institution, Jimmy, in beer. And, and so you're asking all of these questions for us, especially <laughs> as a New York City guy. And you recently went upstate and you explored, you know, upstate. I, what do you, how have you seen things change? I mean, really, I think you're listening to us talk, but I, you've been around a long time in this industry. How have you seen things change? I think, uh, well, those of you guys in the room probably know more about it than I do because um, just going back to 2005... When I opened Jimmy's number 43, mm. there were four breweries in New York City. Mm. And there was a new one called Six Point. It wasn't really until this Craft Act in 2014 that things really, really changed. And I think what we tried to do before that, now I can't keep up with the breweries, but you know, 2008, 9, 10, any new brewery we were trying to recognize, you know, the, the, as, as retailers and as media, we can create quality levels. You know, We wanted to find the best brewers. We wanted to... Uh, see which breweries would want to work with local grains and local malts at, at certain events. And so I feel like that um, I've always seen the brewers in New York State respond and, and the state as well. And I went to the 2014, the Governor's Craft Beverage Summit, and I was really impressed with, with the state of the industry then. And I still can't believe how far it's come. But well, I, when you went upstate too and you did the show, right? Yeah, we right. did the show in 2016 yeah. uh, on the road with Beer Sessions Radio. We went to four regions. We went to uh, Hudson Valley where we got to hang out with uh, the guys like Suarez mm-hmm. and Plan B who are pretty famous now. We went out to Finger Lakes. We went to Catskills and um, we also went to the Capital District with Indian Ladder. But I'd like to say on that note, um, we did a recent episode with Common Roots Brewery. Mm-hmm. And as you guys know, uh, they had a big fire in March. That, to me, was seeing how far the industry's come. Because just in their region alone, there were so many breweries. There's a company, uh, Melanie of Fremdoffer Design. It's a long-time family business that does metalwork. Mm-hmm. Has, has now, is now making brewery systems that they're selling in the region and out of state. Which, not too many years ago, there wasn't a, a New York State-based you know, maker of brewery equipment. So that's just one example. Or through Jason, all the different uh, hop growers that I've met. Um, we did we did a show not too long ago with yeah. with New York hop growers and and the malt facilities in New York. I mean, that's that's what I love. And so seeing the work that you guys have done is very satisfying for me because there's a lot more interesting stories right. than there used to be. And I, I can't keep up with. I mean, Jason, how many malt facilities are there now that you buy from? Uh, we we actually we only buy from about three. Uh, three or four at this point, but there are about I think a dozen malt yeah, houses. That's exactly houses. correct. Yeah. There's twelve malt houses. Because I'm, I'm perfect. Right so you are. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> <laughs> the twelve tribes of Jason. The fact yeah. that he, the fact that he says he uses three or four that they didn't exist a few years ago. So that's a pretty good testament. Yeah, I, I mean we we do it because we 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 found the ones that we like and 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 we are trying to replicate the recipes that we've done. So there's there's a reason. I mean, not that the other ones aren't doing good stuff. It's just that we've found the ones that we like to work with. Uh, but you, I, I know people in all other parts of the state that are working with those other uh, great maltsters. And, you know, they're, they're small, so they can get most of their stuff to these you know, with the local breweries. So Yeah, this is great. Well, Paul, I'm so glad that we, we connected. The next time you're in New York, we're going to do another show to keep Jimmy, it's keep always this good going. to see you, seriously. Thank you. So a big thanks to Stefan, Thank Paul, you, Jason, and our good yeah. buddy Danny Brookett's here, who's one of my <laughs> favorite brewers uh, in New York. He's, He's helping out at Circa now. He's yeah. stop. He's like, <laughs> hey. <laughs> so thanks. Um, big shout out to everybody. Uh, producer Justin Kennedy, assistant producer Leah Pops, um, engineer Matt Patterson. Thanks for joining us on the Heritage Radio Network. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thank you. Woo! 
Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.